scripture this morning is from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. As when fire kindles brushwood, and the fire causes water to boil. To make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways, but you were angry and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, And all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, You are our Father, we are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. Father, your word is a seed. It is a seed planted in the ground in winter when the ground is cold. So sometimes are our hearts. Lord, warm up the ground, till the soil. May the seed of your word finally germinate, grow and bear fruit. Bear fruit not only for our own lives and our families and those we love, but for our neighbors, our enemies, the whole world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. What if I told you that what it means to be human could be summed up in one word? And not just one word, but a word with only one letter. What if I told you that that word was the word O? O. Arthur Delp was a Christian in Nazi Germany, training to be a Jesuit priest. And um, he was jailed as a conspirator, as part of the plot that also um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was part of. He was put in jail and left to languish. In December of 1944, he was put into solitary confinement 
He was in one room by himself with a wooden table, hands cuffed. They gave him uh, scraps of paper and a, they smuggled in actually scraps of paper and a pencil or a pen. And he was able in that December of that year in 1944, 80 years ago, right? I do my math. 44, 24, yeah. 80 years ago this month, he penned the words that all of life is Advent. All of life is Advent. I find this very strange for him to say something like that. I can see him saying that my situation is a lot like Advent. I'm waiting for trial. I'm waiting to be released. I'm waiting for the allies to win. I'm waiting for many things. So my situation, my unique and peculiar situation is a lot like Advent, but that's not what he was saying. He was saying all of life is Advent. What does he mean by that? And I still have to answer the other thing I said, which is that what it means to be human is the word O. Oh. So I have a lot to answer. I'm going to try. Well, I'm not going to try. I'm going to talk about Isaiah. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about Isaiah. Because I think Isaiah resolves this. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. Isaiah begins by talking about this idea of quaking, of shaking. Advent always begins with this sort of shaking, this, this disruption, this shaking of the foundations. World War II for Europe was the shaking of many foundations. The history of Western civilization, all the securities that Europeans took for granted, Westerners really took for granted, all of it was shaking apart, falling apart at the seams. And Delp, sitting there in solitary confinement, it finally hit him that in his country, he's a German, and in his own homeland, they had been resting on false securities, false foundations that needed to be shaken, needed to be broken apart. A lot of times when there is this sort of shaking in our life, we go one of two ways. One way we go is towards a kind of um, perhaps um, cynicism or pessimism. Uh, sometimes uh, people will will describe a situation where they say, um, well, you know, I've, I've been around for a while. I've seen the way the world is. I know how people really are. Can't trust anybody. Something like that. And that's one way to go. When bad things happen, we sort of take in the information, and every time something terrible happens, we say, now I know the way the world really is. No one's ever going to pull one over on me again. Eventually, what that leads to is despair, giving up. But it usually lives in a sort of like cynicism, pessimism. Some people even call it wisdom. I don't think it is. Um, the, other, the other extreme we tend to go to is this idea of um, uh, presumption, or perhaps even a kind of optimism. That says, no matter what happens, it's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Of course, there was tons of people like this in Europe in the lead up to World War II. 
oh, just, just make some treaties with Hitler, it'll be fine, it's not going to be a big deal, he'll, he'll stay put, he's not going to try to take all of Europe, that would be insane. It has this, it has this uh, sense in which um, there is no evidence, it's just a sort of blind faith, a blind hope that things are going to work out fine. And as Christians, we can be guilty of this because we are people of faith. We are people who believe in what we can't see. And so if we're going to lean anyway, it seems like, <coughs> excuse me, it seems like we would lean towards this sort of optimism. Isaiah shows neither of these. Isaiah shows neither of these. Isaiah does not presume to have the answers. Isaiah is living in a time where everything is lost. They've been carted off to exile in Babylon. Uh, the temple has been destroyed. The worst nightmare for the people of Israel has occurred. And he is, he is living in a complete disruption of the foundations. Of all that they loved, of all that they hoped in, and all that they believed. Everything has fallen apart. And he comes to God and he says, come down. The mountains will quake with your presence. There's no answer there. There's no solution. Isaiah doesn't know what to do. He doesn't have the idea of like, well, if, if, if only so-and-so would do this, and if, 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 if we could just get back to this way of thinking, or if so-and-so could get into office, or if we could just live this way, or if we could just progress beyond certain ideas, he doesn't have an answer. There's no solution. All he says is if you would just be here, just be present to us, then we would be okay. All that matters is your presence. So Isaiah is not a man of presumption. He's not a man of optimism. On the other hand, he's also not giving up. This is not despair. He calls God to come. He demands God to come. Tear open the heavens and come. The word for this is hope. Here in the text, it uses the phrase waiting. It says, uh, No eye has seen any, <coughs> excuse me, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. We don't really think of waiting as hope. We think of waiting as super annoying, at least for me. Um, like we think of like a waiting room or um, waiting for the Wi-Fi to reconnect. Ugh, so frustrating. Um, that's not at all the kind of waiting that Isaiah has in mind. This is an extremely active form of waiting. Uh, this is the waiting of Arthur Delph in his solitary confinement. It's a waiting in hope. It's a waiting in belief. Delph said that this form of waiting, this active waiting, is what it means to be truly human. And the reason he said this is because he, he said we, fundamentally, human beings are people who long. We have a deep longing in all of us. And what we do is, is we find sort of things that somewhat satisfy our longing. So that may be, like for me, carrot cake. Um, 
Uh, it could be something much more dangerous, although enough carrot cake could be dangerous. Um, but we, we find these sort of uh, ultimately trivial things, and, and they could be quite large. I mean, it could be a, a, a political identity. Um, it could be someone in our family that we could become attached to. Uh, we, could, we could list many, many, many things. And what Delp says is that sometimes these get shaken apart. And when they get shaken apart, this is actually a good moment. Because what it means is we finally realize that the only thing that satisfies the deepest longing in us is God. Our Father, the one who made us, the potter. We are nothing but clay. We are nothing but leaves. And when we come away from the tree, we dry up, is another way Isaiah puts it. That is ultimately what it means to be human, to become to, to get back in touch with the presence of God. And so Delp, I wouldn't say he rejoiced, but Delp was able to say in that solitary confinement that all of life really is an advent. All of life is this waiting for the thing that we long for the most to finally come and be within us and to be with us which is God. Waiting takes other forms too. Like I said, this is not a passive waiting, but an active waiting. And the other kinds of forms that it takes uh, for, for Delta, you know, it did, uh, a lot of it involved sharing his faith. They would smuggle in pieces of paper and he'd write things down and he'd smuggle it back out and they would share it with people. And so Delp continued to be a pastor, even though he was by himself in solitary confinement. So one form of waiting is sharing our faith. If we have a hope, and if we have something that actually genuinely fulfills the deepest longing of humanity, it's a really good idea to share that. Because there's a lot of people who are still searching for what that is. There's other ways of active waiting, other forms of it. One form is hospitality. Um, this church is engaged in a lot of different kinds of hospitality, different kinds of welcome. Some of that is welcoming one another, just here on Sunday or throughout the week, or sort of like the way Ben welcomed us last night for his birthday bash. That's a radical form of hospitality. While the world is, is embroiled in war and in politics and in corruption, we should still be celebrating and we should still be dancing and we should still be feasting and enjoying life. That's another form of it. Jesus listed many forms. Loving our enemies is another one. Um, but the one I would like to most, to begin the season of Advent, the one I want to most focus on is, is to go back to that word, oh, and to recognize that that word, oh, is simply a prayer. It's a prayer. It's not O-H. O-H is surprise. O-H is, is um, shock, whatever. Um, enjoying carrot cake. Oh, uh, that, that's O-H. But O is a prayer. O is a prayer to God. And so what it most fully means to be human, I think first of all, is to pray. It is the prayer of God, not knowing the solutions, not knowing the answers, not knowing how God is going to work things out, but
but it is to pray to God, to offer our whole lives up to God and to God and to say, oh, would you come down? Oh, would you tear open the heavens? Oh, would you tear apart the veil between me and you, between this world and the next world? God, would you come and be near? This is the beginning of Advent. This is what Advent is all about. This deep and essential longing for all of us to have God to come and be near us. And so this next month, let's learn to pray. And let's learn to pray that specific prayer. Not our agenda, not what we want God to do for the world, not what we think God is supposed to do, but simply to call to God and to tell God we want God near. And to do that by saying the one word that makes us fully human, the word, oh. Oh, would you come down? Eighty years ago, the foundations of at least the western part of this planet were shaken. They have been shaken many times since. Upheaval has happened and happened again and again and again. And in some ways, it's still happening. Whether we imagine that politically, internationally, globally, Wars in Europe, in the Middle East, persecution in many parts of the world. We don't know what to do, but oh, we pray that you would come down and be present among us, satisfy our deepest longings. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. May the peace of Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into these doors. Amen. Go in peace.